Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. Is that going to go on? I don't know. Yeah, why not? All right, Hats. Uh, it. Why not? Hey, Brando. How you going, mate? Good, mate. Um, I had uh, I just finished work and went for a swim down the beach. It's warm. Unbelievable. It's great just now. It's really oh, good. Oh, it's Although like, the waves are a bit big. Oh, well, not now. Like Not this afternoon. But it's like tw- it's got to be 24 degrees at least. It's yeah, it's so, nice. so, so, nice. so good. Yeah. Um, but the problem with that is I went for a swim, then I hopped in the car, came home for a shower, got dressed, came here, and now my ass is wet because of the seat. Or the car seat so. <laughs> so, so welcome, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, so we have Justin on the uh, on the pod tonight. Justin is uh, from Hardblock. Do you want to tell us uh, what you do at Hardblock? Yeah, so I uh, I'm not sure of my title exactly, but I consider it to be a lot around education. So anyone who doesn't know about Bitcoin, trying to educate them about Bitcoin. Uh, people that are into Bitcoin, trying to educate them a little bit more about uh, being self-sovereign, so holding their own Bitcoin, as well as being privacy conscious in just a general online sense, as well as Bitcoin on-chain privacy, which is a, a bit of a hobby and a, 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 I guess a fetish of mine almost. Um, but on top of that, getting people to know about Hardlock. Um, it's one of the oldest exchanges or, or the oldest Bitcoin exchange um, in Australia, but not a lot of people have heard about it. So I've joined relatively recently as of uh, November last year, um, initially just working a day and a half. And just recently, I put that up to two days a week, uh, just working on education and content. So I manage their social social media profiles um, just a couple of hours a week, um, prepare a monthly newsletter. And otherwise, just look at what what content is missing that would kind of bridge that gap between no coiners becoming Bitcoiners, Bitcoin is becoming self-sovereign and privacy conscious, um, and people just knowing a little bit more about Hardblock themselves. You're gone. Uh, so when did Hardblock start? Can, can we can we go back? Can we go back? Sorry. Can, before we do all go the, on, yeah. he says. Can and we? Then sorry. Well, and then you can ask a question. Like that. <laughs> so so that's great. We would we want to talk about Hardblock, but I want I want to talk about um, your previous story before hard block before and then we'll lead that's, into the hard blocks up is that okay yeah that's fine actually that, that, make, logical, that, that makes logical sense. sense yeah yeah all right um, definitely so, let's take um, it chronologically yeah yeah um so um what when were you born <laughs> <laughs> we're going back that far well my parents my parents <laughs> immigrated was from name was, uh... <laughs> that's right <laughs> no so i uh, i'm a psychologist i'm still a psychologist at the moment and i'm transitioning more into bitcoin uh, over the course of time. Uh, one of the other things that I do, which I'll, I'll maybe, I'll mention this and then perhaps work my way back around to it is I, um, I've started a Bitcoin mining business with my fiance as of last year. And we're looking at just gradually scaling that up over time. So trying to do a few things in Bitcoin, um, I guess my ethos is sort of like secure and expand the network. So expand the network by letting people know about it um, and also secure the network by running Bitcoin miners. I think that's what but your term- hand, isn't that what your mission Bitcoin handle says? It is indeed to secure and expand the network. That's good. Exactly. Seems like a relatively simple uh, goal, um, but But a noble one. Profound, but indeed, and and I think it needs to happen, and more people need to do it. So I guess my my journey into Bitcoin from psychology. um, I guess you could say. I had an interest in privacy and uh, particularly government overreach since probably about 2013, 2014, like around the time of the Snowden leaks. 
just realizing that there's a lot of things that the government does, which they're technically, well, I guess they're not meant to do, um, except through some loopholes in regulations and such that they're allowed to do. Uh, but most of those things that they do tend to infringe on, on individuals' rights. And I mean, we could explore this much larger than privacy, but I'll, I'll just sort of focus on that for now, because that's what sort of you know got me into the space a bit more. And so I was into privacy since 2014. I heard about Bitcoin in 2015 from a friend um, at university. And uh, I thought, yeah, that sounds like a cool concept, but that's as far as it went. Um, 2017 happened and I saw it as a potential investment. Um, you know, this thing's going up in value, so I should probably own a very small amount of it. And it crashed at kind of the end of 2017 into 2018. Um, I still thought there's something here, and, but I started getting into like shit coins and okay, there's this whole cryptocurrency thing, not just Bitcoin. So I'll find the next one, I did a bit of shit coin trading and staking and all that sort of stuff and got some rug pulls and got some scammed and at the same time made a bit of profit. And so I never kind of went away from the industry, but kind of along those lines, I discovered uh, that Bitcoin and privacy, you know, were, had a good amalgamation. Um, and what I mean by that, so I got exposed to um, Samurai Wallet and uh, their coin join mixing implementation, as well as all their post mix spending tools like pay joining. So, you know, perhaps combining a transaction with another person to, uh, to obfuscate it on the chain. So it's not clear like who's making the transaction. Is it even a transaction to someone? And that, that really interested me. Um, it, it interested me, I guess, in like a technical aspect because you've got to understand what chain analysis firms are doing in terms of the kind of heuristics that they're looking at to then determine what's happening on chain. And then, of course, it's like the cat and mouse of, of what are people like Samurai Wallet uh, and other uh, wallet devs do to, to try to make it more private. The reason that interested me at the time was because of uh, my work in psychology. So uh, psychology is meant to be confidential and, and, and private to a certain degree. Um, however, when someone pays at the end of their session, um, sometimes they'll be paying me, um, but sometimes they're paying through a receptionist. And of course, they pay with a credit card um, and they pay through uh, an FPOS machine. And then that comes into my bank account. So immediately they've got their own payment processor or their own you know, credit card provider knowing perhaps that they're going to a psychologist. We've got the payment processor in between knowing that they're going to a psychologist. They've got my bank, which I'm not sure exactly how much visibility my bank would have, but let's just maybe assume that they have some inkling that this person's gone to a psychologist. To me, that's like, you know, about three too many people that know that this person's seen a psychologist. And it's a bit of a joke to call that confidential if you ask me. Mm. So I kind of considered Bitcoin would be a really good thing to implement in my practice to allow clients to pay confidentially. And there are some clients as well that obviously didn't want their attendance on the record for various different reasons, sometimes to do with security clearances, sometimes to do with insurance, sometimes to do with ex-partners that might find out about it. And so having a private-based payment processing made a lot of sense. To be honest, that didn't really take off because I wasn't allowed to talk a whole lot about Bitcoin in terms of convincing people about it. Otherwise, it could be uh, seen as perhaps giving investment advice as a psychologist. I was also starting to get interested in starting some kind of Bitcoin business. And in psychology, there's a lot of very strict ethics around saying, if you have your own business, you cannot refer as a psychologist to it and you can't refer from the business you know, to your practice as a psychologist. So I more or less just had to say like, I accept Bitcoin payments, and just sort of leave it at that. So no one really used it a whole lot. However, it kind of sent me further and further down the rabbit hole in terms of uh, Bitcoin privacy. And all of the stuff that kind of led to that as well, like the encryption wars or the crypto wars, I think they're sometimes called the whole cypherpunk movement. 
And when I started realizing that, you know, Bitcoin, even though it looks very new, is actually just an amalgamation of a lot of technology that's been developed since almost like the early 70s with a couple of, of extra parts added on top, of course, like the difficulty adjustment. And that really, that kind of blew my mind, you know, the fact that this is a bit of a war that's been going on for so long. And it's really getting to the heart of what I was always passionate about, which was privacy. And so that made me think like, all right, this Bitcoin thing is a bit more than just an investment. It's a bit more than just, you know, a potential way to have private payments for clients. I started to come across um, a lot of writings by Alex Gladstein. And um, he, he talks a lot about the positive humanitarian and environmental impacts of, of Bitcoin. And I mean, just to, I'll talk kind of at surface level, and I'm sure I'll, I'll bring it back to something that's, that's more relatable, perhaps, and then we'll, we'll drill into it more detail. But what I mean by like the positive humanitarian and environmental impacts, for me, at least, it's like banking the unbanked, um, like what's happening in El Salvador, as an example. Uh, it's removing, you know, the corrupt, inefficient and often expensive intermediaries for things like international remittances. And it's putting money back into the hands of the people that, that often need it the most. It enables circular economies to happen again, similar to cash, except with a little bit more security. Um, and I mean, the obvious one is the store of value argument, which maybe I'll, I'll come back to in a bit. The environmental stuff kind of blows my mind too. You know, just seeing Bitcoin, the asset itself, it, almost by that alone is is very profound but then when you look at what bitcoin mining that kind of weird synergism that it's created in the energy sector so like rescuing stranded and and wasted and surplus energy like you know methane and natural gas flaring you know converting that into energy and then mining bitcoin with it instead of just blasting it off into the atmosphere you know bootstrapping some of the renewable infrastructures um being basically a buyer of last resort. So it helps to stabilize the grid demand and basically the, the grid cost, which is better for everyone, not just Bitcoin miners and even energy producers themselves. So all these things kind of just like kept me going further and further in this rabbit hole of like, what is Bitcoin? This is not a simple question. Like you say, yeah, it's freedom money, sure. But it's also all these other things as well. Not to mention just like the network, you know, the stuff that Strike and Jack Marlers are doing of just using it as a global payment rails, even if you don't use Bitcoin. So I guess this, you know, getting back to, to me in psychology, I started to, to look at the world through the lens of Bitcoin. And once realizing what it's trying to solve, which is corrupt money, broken money, the fact that a few people get to control the money supply, um, they get to enrich themselves and their, you know, their pals with it. And um, this is obviously linked to like the fractional reserve banking system or the, the fictional reserve banking system, because it, I don't think there's a whole lot of um, fractional reserves at the moment mm. or has been for a while. And, you know, you, you look at that. Well, I looked at that and I, I thought that that was enabling a lot of the really weird outcomes that we were getting in society. You know, it allows people to come up with, well, to misallocate resources essentially and not have any any feedback loop that then corrects it over time. And I don't think it just enables it. I think it actually, you know, perpetuates it or facilitates it. It's, it's incentivizing people to make almost flippant decisions. And if it goes wrong, that's okay. You just print more money, you socialize the losses and eventually it'll, it'll kind of work out. And if it doesn't, that's okay because the money's infinite anyway. And I started looking at things like world wars um, and I don't just mean like World War One and World War Two. I mean like you know all the wars that are happening in the in the world. And I realized that a lot of that's about money, and the majority of that is enabled by money. The fact that money is broken, and the rabbit hole goes deeper. Obviously, you know you can start looking at that misallocation of resources in terms of things like our healthcare, in terms of our nutrition, our farming practices, um, our education systems, our academic science. You know the kind of 
the kind of outcomes that come out of it don't make a lot of sense when you kind of scratch more than the surface and, and try to look for contradictory views. But I think having broken money allows some of those things to happen. I just want to have like a bit of a tangent rant for, on something that's related to this. Um, in Jeff Booth's book, The uh, the Price of Tomorrow, he talks a lot about how uh, technology and industrialization is meant to be deflationary. You know, it's meant to lead to this um, life of abundance where we work 15 hours a week and uh, everything's relatively cheap and, and, and it's accessible. And of course, that leads to, a, you know, better mental health and, and better society, generally speaking. However, by having a competing inflationary force of money it's essentially creating like a drag on the deflationary effects of technology which means we don't get to benefit from them as much and the more i think about it the more it's kind of outrageous because we've sort of been robbed of so many zero to one moments in history and what i mean by that like zero to one is like you know the printing press or gunpowder um or the internet or bitcoin you know zero to one is revolutionary people don't kind of get it at that point until version like five six or seven and then it's like incredibly obvious mm. and i feel like if we had the true deflationary forces of industrialization and technology and that was reinvested into deflating technology we could have gained so much more technology companies who probably allocate resources relatively efficiently would be able to buy more resources than what they do currently and we have probably been cheated out of so many zero to one moments over the last just 50 years of having shit money that it's like it's kind of outrageous outrageous to me um but i guess bringing this back to something that is is probably at the core of it and that really made me realize like look psychology is great but i think that i can actually have a bigger impact by doing something more specifically in bitcoin and and that's the idea of time preference um, time preference is a thing in psychology it's been researched quite a lot over the last few decades but obviously it's it's been made probably more salient to me by you know reading like safer deans the bitcoin standard the fiat standard and of course everyone talks about time preference um in in the you know bitcoin twitter sphere so what i mean by time preference is like having a high time preference is we normally are prioritizing the now um and, and often that comes about because people are uncertain about the future they don't have that security or that um, confidence they need. And so they end up in survival mode and they make um, very short-term decisions. You can see it in, you know, things like how we treat our bodies with, with or without exercise, um, the kind of foods we eat, the reliance on, on medication and quick fixes. Whereas uh, conversely, if you look at something like a low time preference, which I think Bitcoin can enable, that is looking into the future and it's saying i'll make some sacrifices now i'll have some delayed gratification and this will pay off better in future and to me once i started realizing that was kind of at the root cause of a lot of the problems that people face i realized i was kind of scratching the surface in psychology and seeing as i'm not really allowed to talk about bitcoin and <laughs> some of these other concepts i thought it's time to start you know doing something a little bit different and trying to work just more specifically directly in bitcoin and i don't lose any of the knowledge that i have from psychology there's been good experiences and i think i've learned a lot but i'm now keen to apply that to something a bit different all right well i think you've covered everything so that's probably it all thanks right, for well, joining us justin well finish there no worries <laughs> cheers guys good to <laughs> That is just so. Please forgive me, but what's what's just happened there is the the all this knowledge has built up inside you over a period of a few years. I'm guessing about four years, and, yeah, and yeah. A, or maybe yeah, more like three. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And the frustration has built up, and all these things that you can see are wrong. You just want to get them out, all right. And yeah. what I what I'd like to do is just try and pick them off maybe not all of them because we might need to do it we might need to do it again um 
pick them off individually um, if we can. So let's go back to let's go to a very simple thing. If you have a, a client, and I appreciate you can't talk about your clients individually, but more generally, yeah. Um, how many people are coming to you because they have um, a stress or a you know basically a, a lack of purpose or a you know lack of hope? And and this is this is an important thing to you hats as well because we we did a call out ages ago looking for someone who might be wanting to talk about health mental health and all that kind of stuff and we got nothing and so we got nothing and and I, I completely understand why we got nothing because yeah. who wants to yeah. put yourself out there in front of bitcoin twitter right i understand and i you know I, i'm not going to force anybody to do it um but, but, but it's if anybody be... would like to they're very welcome yeah. to come on but from i'm i'm very so let, but let's come at it from a more professional side rather than coming up from, yeah. from a from a, a a client side yeah um or a patient side i don't know what you'd refer to them as um yeah that's the question when people present to you is, can you group that i mean people have done many issues but can you group that into things that are that, that is driving them into your office yeah and i i am seeing probably a lot more of this just general lack of meaning probably paired with like a cognitive dissonance and, and what i mean by that is people will show up and they'll say look I'm, I'm doing all the right things i exercise i eat relatively well i've got a kind of a pretty okay sleeping pattern i've got a job that i, I think's all right and it, it pays the bills and i've got a family and i've got some friends and i got a couple of hobbies but it's like i just feel empty or i feel flat or i feel like you know what's the point and, and not always in a suicidal way although sometimes it can lead to that but like what's the point is in like is this really it is this what i'm meant to do for the next 40 50 years like what what is this about and it's hard sometimes there's some very clear things going on there you know there can be obvious things like there's substance abuse or there's past trauma or there's grief or there is you know an acute stressor in a workplace and those things are a little bit more obvious to treat but by and large what i'm seeing predominantly now are, are people with this just sort of general free-floating stress and anxiety which i believe comes from like just to define something when i when i say cognitive dissonance if we have values and then we're living contradictory to those values we normally have a bit of a sense of unease even if we can't put our finger on it yep. so i mean a really great example is if someone really believes in climate change but then they drive around like a, a gas guzzling car they'll probably feel some level of discomfort but may not be able to put their finger on it exactly like that's a pretty innocuous example but that's just a nice way to looking at cognitive dissonance having a value but acting contradictory to it and the unconscious mind knows that and, and makes you feel it it. and they might and so, not be in a position to accept they might like let's take um you know like a politician that's flying around in private jets telling everybody to be live live a a, a low carbon lifestyle oh do we like, want to name yeah. elizabeth warren or? well okay no <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i think she knows what she's doing and i think she mm. probably knows that it's a it's a it's a mistake but if you're yeah. in a position where you feel like you you know you cannot take a stance against it what is that doing to somebody mentally absolutely it's unhealthy you know people have been brought up and told like you know the world is fair the world is just hard work pays off you can be anything that you want and at some point probably late teens early 20s or maybe for the little bit slower it happens in the 30s people start to at least unconsciously recognize that the world is not that fair and it's not that just and it's not it's not equitable in many ways the rules are really built against them to keep them trapped in a system and i don't mean that by design i think sometimes it's systems that have just been incentivized to work that way yep. but people start to recognize that they they what they believed is not actually true. And when that works its way into the conscious mind, I mean, that, that's a pretty dangerous situation because people start to realize they don't have a meaning. Um, 
you can kind of see this in terms of the way people have become disenfranchised gradually over time to things like religion, um, politics and the state, especially more recently, even things like, um, you know, gender roles, even gender identity, um, the family unit, like all these things are eroding for one reason or another. And I won't make a comment on whether that's a good or bad thing, but it certainly seems to be pretty detrimental to people's well-being when those are the things that we've used to uh, kind of coordinate or structure our lives now without that and with this free-floating anxiety you know people are left feeling that they don't have a meaning when you when you look at meaning as well it's actually probably one of the most important things that we have like if you look at um grief you've probably heard of the stages of grief um plenty of research now to say like we don't go through this like linear progression of stages of grief there's all those different emotions we'll probably feel all of them or some variation of them at some point but it's not really the stages what we've found with things like grief is that finding meaning in the person's death and then finding meaning in life afterwards that they're you know now that they're gone that's what helps someone move on same as if someone's experienced a past trauma being able to find some level of of meaning in it and also in their life afterwards helps them move on there's also a lot of research around positive psychology, which is separate to saying, let's reduce people's depression or anxiety, because you could do that and they're still not necessarily happy. So positive psychology is about saying, well, happiness and satisfaction is a different construct entirely. So what do we do about that? And a lot of research has gone into it to say, we need to do um, volitional activities. So things that we choose to do, someone can't just tell you, do this and you'll get better. Um, do this hobby. It's really great. You know, that might be the case, but at the same time, if it doesn't have meaning to the person, it won't have that impact. And so meaning is it such an important part that actually makes things have their salience, have their value essentially. And so people get to the point where they're feeling like everything I've been taught has pretty much been wrong and it's working against me. And I'm really not sure why I'm here or what I'm meant to do about it. And it feels like everything I try doesn't work very well. Well, I mean, you can probably fill in the blanks in terms of how that's going to make people feel and, and think and, and act essentially, which becomes this just perpetual cycle. I mean, if you just, I'm happy for us to be the case study just now. Um, so we, 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 this is, this is a, a hobby. You know, we do this, um, we both have day jobs. Um, Unfortunately. We, yes, still. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, you know, we earn nothing from it. It's not It's not about the, what we earn from it. Maybe maybe one day we might earn something, but for, for right now we earn nothing from it. But we're still doing it. We're doing it every week. Um, and both of us are turning up and, you know, there's a thousand messages go back and forward. Um, and, okay, I can only speak personally, but um, I, it has a, I, I see it as a value, not just for myself, but for other people too. Like it's a, it's a, it's a positive thing that we're trying to do. It's a ma massive drag on me though. Like, <laughs> I can't, I yes. can't wait to get it. Hard work. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm serious. I'm no, 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 no. But, but yeah. Okay. So, just that in itself, for having something in your life that's a regular, you know. A thing that you've committed to that you're enjoying and you feel is good for other people you hope is good for other people whether they can be the judge but that that is a is a positive for me i can only you know say speak for myself so do you feel the same yeah well no but and you've said this before it's also i think great to be able to share that passion and that love for something you know what i mean like you you were going before you 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 know baptized me you were kind of talking to the wall and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so you were, you were so excited when I I actually got not I'm just I'm still excited like 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 proper orange <laughs> pills, you know. So, yeah. but it is like I, I I love doing this and um. So so okay, so let's ask Justin, right? What, what's happening there, cognitively? Like we, what's happening to us? Hats once, yeah. Me? Is we, that what it is? <laughs> well, well, like I'll I'll break it down maybe into like a uh, 
like the, some of the neuroscience behind it. So we have three emotional regulation systems. This is some of, um, can't remember his first name, but Gilbert. Gilbert is his last name. The three emotional regulation systems. One of them is the drive system. And that is when we do things that we enjoy, which is a bit self-perpetuating. We just do it because we enjoy it and for the sake of it. We do things for achievement, which can be kind of stressful sometimes because there's goals and challenges and our brain often kind of starts to look at how could that go wrong? How long is it going to take? What do I need to do? What are the resources I need? But that's where probably some of what you're doing at the moment is stimulating that drive system. But the other system that's really important is what's called like the soothing system. And that's when we spend time relaxing or spend time connecting with people that have, you know, a similar Aww. frame of mind and that we care about. And so you're doing something that is, uh, gives you meaning, gives you purpose. You're enjoying it. You're also doing things that give you a sense of accomplishment, which comes with its challenges, which is a good thing. Uh, and of course you're now sharing it with other people. And what that does, because there's a third system here, which is the threat system or the stress system or the anxiety system or the sympathetic nervous system. It's all pretty much the same thing to some degree. You're, you're kind of turning that off because by being in the soothing system, connecting with people that you care about, that share similar values, um, that's the parasympathetic nervous system or it's the, the rest and digest it's often called, mm. which is very different to fight and flight. And so by doing that, you're connecting and you're, you're putting something out there that's meaningful and valuable that can be very perpetuating like there's a lot of information and a lot of research sorry around uh, behavior change and so like if you wanted to set up a new habit or if you wanted to do something maybe maybe less of something in fact you've got to set a smart goal you it's got to be uh, useful and, and valuable to you in some way you've got to commit to it you've got to research it you've got to like have small steps towards it like there's all the things that we know about but the thing is it still doesn't make new habits stick very well but what a lot of research has shown is that being in the culture being in like a social context that drives that same thing, that's really important. And like, if you want to work out, join a group of people who works out, you're much more likely to stick to it than if you just set yourself some small goals. Yeah. And even if you're interested yeah. in working out, like you're more likely to, to adhere to it if you have people that are doing the same thing, because it's, it's very kind of um, contagious, very reciprocal. And I think that the same thing is probably happening with you both, where you've learned about Bitcoin, you're talking about Bitcoin to others. You're getting this feedback from other people where they like it. They challenge you perhaps with new ideas and that's that feels good. And so you, you contribute to it more and people have that feedback back and it just becomes this perpetual upward cycle where you're doing things that you enjoy, give you a sense of accomplishment and connect you with people that are sharing of similar values. Very human. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's a- Go on, please. Sorry, there's, like there's another way you can come at this too, because obviously there's a lot of different theories and, you know, they all have some level of research behind them and none of them are particularly perfect. But you might have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which, you know, again, not perfect, but at the same time, it's probably could lend some of the ideas to explain maybe what you're experiencing. And so at the bottom of the, the hierarchy of needs, just imagine a, a pyramid Um at the bottom of the hierarchy of needs, there's things like food, uh, shelter, uh, safety, security, like the very basics to stay alive, essentially. And once you've accomplished those things, you move into you know the middle part of the pyramid, which is things like uh, work, um, a bit of status, relationships, uh, maybe things like hobbies and interests. Um, and once you start to accomplish those sort of things, we move beyond to the very top of the pyramid, which is self-actualization. So doing things, maybe working for something greater than yourself, so working for a community um, or working for some level of greater good, putting something before yourself. And it's not about status. It's not about money. It's not about recognition. I mean, you might get those things and those are nice too, but it's like, it's not the reason that we do it. It's because 
it kind of gets to something much deeper that we're after. And so I'd say what you're doing is maybe operating at the, the top of that hierarchy, um, top of that pyramid for what makes sense to you, what gives you meaning in life. So do you think there's a chance my wife will leave me because of my flowering relationship with hats? <laughs> it's definitely possible, yeah. My <laughs> endless love. Look, this, if she hasn't left you... I- I haven't sung that for a while, so I, th- I tried to throw have, it in there. Have these conversations started happening at home? Have, uh, should I start worrying about that? Um, so, okay, so that let's make it. Let's take it away from us now. Going back to the going back to the bottom of you know hierarchy and by Maslow. You're talking things like food hmm. and shelter. If you are a, um, I don't know. Let's say you're a nurse, okay, and you're a nurse and you've been a nurse for I don't know, 15, 20 years. You've worked your way through to a, you know you're some sort of senior position. You're good at your job. You love your job. Um, you you're a, you know maybe you're a union member, um, and you you know you want to you just want to, you, you like your job and you want to be valued for what you do, um, and the the uh, the union goes into bat for you each year for a pay rise or every second whenever however often they go into bat for you. And they try and get four and a half percent, and they're offered one and a half percent. And ultimately, at the end of the negotiation, they end up with two and a half percent. And if inflation is running at twelve, and you're going backwards, and you're finding it more difficult to pay for your shopping in Woolworths and or Coles or wherever you Aldi or the hopefully the local farmers market, we're probably not doing that anymore because you can't. Mm. Um, and you know, so you're having to work extra hours. You've got a couple of children. You have, you've got a dog, but the dog's quite expensive because the vet bills go up too because inflation's going up. You know, your husband's got a health condition. In fact, there's a lot of know, things like, going on. Right, yeah, right. Oh, no, this is, but this is people's... I'm just trying to yeah, get, yeah, yeah. paint a picture of somebody's... It's, um, it, to be honest, there. it's not It's not the most outrageous conceptualization. Like, th- this is a pretty common thing, what you're describing yeah. right now, and, and especially well, with what's been going on the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I'm, that's where I'm trying to get at. Um I think that is that sort of situation is going to be happening everywhere right now. You might not be a nurse, you might be something else, but that sort yeah. of situation. And the thing that bothers me, that I think the biggest problem is a lot of people are going to have an issue. They're going to blame themselves because they used to provide and they're not providing now and they don't really understand why they're not providing now because they don't understand. They've never thought about n- the money problem. They have why, nothing, why should they? They're and nothing's nurse. changed. They yeah. haven't changed. They've not changed, exactly, right? Yeah. So... Um, and all of a sudden you're not providing and you feel like you should be providing for your family um, and or and yourself. What is happening to, to, the, to that person psychologically? You know, bringing it back to the idea of meaning, I'd say that's a loss of meaning. You know, they're, they're not able to do their vocation because some people might say, you know, a nursing job is more than a job. It's a vocation, something that they probably intend to do for life. So they would they would lose a lot of that. You know, there's a lot of camaraderie in terms of the, the people that they work with. Uh, they would probably have an idea that they are going to always be well supported by the people that they work with. And then when that rug is pulled, it makes you question a lot of things. And then, of course, you know, to exacerbate things, if it means that then they can't pay the bills or they can't send their kids to school or get the correct medical treatment um, or their partner loses their job too and that exacerbates things further, this is going to be horrible for people's mental health and mental health and physical health really go hand in hand. You know, once people get into survival mode, they start buying food that's lower quality. They start opting for quick fixes. Like it could be a a medication that might not be well suited to them. Um, It could even be buying things that are relatively, you know, cheap and easy to cook because they've lost 
a lot of that that passion, a lot of that drive to actually maybe cook good foods. They probably wouldn't be looking after themselves in terms of uh, exercising. They would then probably have a pretty shocking sleep pattern. They would be avoiding a lot of things in life. They would be avoiding a lot of the discomfort in, in any possible way. And usually the best ways to avoid discomfort are the most unhealthy ways, like either substance use or just opting out, doom scrolling social media, staying in bed more often, saying no to things. And all of a sudden, like their knife, their life becomes incredibly narrow. You know, they might lose friends. They've already lost colleagues. They've lost their vocation. They've lost their income capacity. They might lose a relationship in terms of like a, you know, a marriage. It could, you know, tear a family apart. Like all those things are sort of very practical stuff that might happen, but you, you can imagine how that's going to be making someone feel. And, and there's no easy way out of that, really. It's like, do you just go retrain and, and start all over again? Um, why would you do that? Because if you've already trained in something that you thought was always going to be there and, you know, your colleagues had your back and now suddenly they don't and you don't have that anymore, why would you want to retrain? That just doesn't make any sense. You're just kind of repeating the same thing over again. Mm. So people get stuck in survival mode. So, do you want to jump in? No, you go. So, um, so we, we, know, we know the, uh, arrogantly, I believe, well, I know the answer, right? Um, no surprises there. Right. But, um, no, but I, I believe you two do too. Like I don't, like I don't, you know, I'm just speaking for me. Um, <laughs> but you cannot, um, it, it's, you're, you sound like a crazy man if you say to somebody, I know all these terrible things in your life are happening right now, but if you just bought Bitcoin, Bitcoin fixes all, all your problems mm -hmm. will go away. And that's not true, of course, but it, it, it is a start to, it is a start to helping the problems go away. Right? Um, so but even if those people don't never buy bitcoin and it goes away that we think it's going to go and you know bitcoin becomes a global standard money they're going to benefit from that network they are they're yeah, going to be that's right. every, everybody's going to be forced into it mm. but it's going to be a lot better for you if you're not forced no totally yeah, true. even if even if they don't buy it and they're forced to earn it it's still better I, to them to what they've got now you that know that's I mean? true but it, getting between A and B might be horrific. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no right? doubt. You know, you might undoubtedly. As 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 Justin saying, where you might be losing your house, your job, your car, your yeah. family, your you know whatever. Some people lose their lives, frankly. So, I mean, that, it worries me. It worries me greatly. Yeah. Right. So, I think people even knowing about Bitcoin and not buying it, or then not working to further it, just knowing about it, I think can provide some meaning because meaning a lot of the time can be derived from context so if you believe that you know life is fair and just and hard work pays off and then it doesn't you're kind of left sort of at odds but if someone was able to explain you know th there's actually a system at play here this is not just happening to you this is not personal there is something that yes. you can do about it but even if you don't do anything about it understand the context understand what's happening and and understand that there is a movement that is creating essentially a parallel system rather than trying to trying to fix the old one which is corrupt mm. to its core and the parasites have pretty much dug in well and truly it's not going to be fixed you can't fix a system from the inside like that we need to reinvent it and, and it has been reinvented and it's been going for about 13 years and it's going really strong and it keeps building and just knowing that that's the case i, I feel like people will have just that little bit extra level of I don't know, sanity to realize that it's not just happening to them. Um, 
it's not the fact that their life has turned out terribly because of something that they've done or mm. that, you know, it's their fate or the world's against them. They start to realize, look, this is a systemic thing. Yeah, they're stuck for they're stuck for a very good reason, and, but there's ways out of that. And even if they don't take those ways out, they at least know that something's happening, and that there's some level of hope or optimism, which normally keeps people around and normally makes people look into the future and says, "Okay, well, maybe I'll learn a bit more about this other system, or maybe I'll just leave that to people that that know what's going on, and I know that they've got it covered. Um, I don't have time to do that, or I don't have the care to do that, but now that I know that's happening." there's some hope. So you know what, maybe I will look after myself a little bit better. Uh, maybe I will try to find something to replace the job that I've just lost. Like it starts to make people look to the future a little bit more and to orient themselves around being around for a bit longer rather than being in survival mode, which is just how do I just double down on everything that's happening right now? Don't worry about delayed gratification. Let's just gratify now. Mm. Whereas hope and optimism, you know, they normally cast the, the line a little bit further out and yeah, and think a bit further hugely hugely important yeah um so let's go to the other side of the equation to the bitcoiners that are 100 percent in or 110 percent in and they are only thinking um with this really this really a uh, long time preference right they're they're so far the other way now financially that is we believe i think that um that is going to be a good decision for them but they are they're doing that while sacrificing their today um, and I find this at home. Right? What are you talking I, about? Selling chairs and all that sort of jazz? Or? Well, I, well, <laughs> well okay, I'll bring it to my own circumstances. I'm just squatting here. I'm not even <laughs> on a chair. <laughs> in, um, like in my own house, like I'm, I'm that guy. I'm the guy that's so far that way. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, but I have to sort of live in the real world also, right? And yeah. my family have to live with me. <laughs> so, And they're like, well, what are we doing today? I was like, well, we're not doing that because that's 14,000 sats. I'm not quite that bad. But, you know, there's, but there are people. I mean, so if you go too far the other way and you have, you have nothing in the present, um, is that, where does that put people? That's a great question, actually. Thank you. True. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, can't you? If mm -hmm. that phrase makes sense, where you know living in the present, only in the present, is obviously detrimental to some degree. Um, but you don't want to completely forego the present either. Now, I, I think as long as people are surrounding themselves with with stuff that has meaning to them, and that could be you know family, community, um, different hobbies and interests that might not take a whole lot of um, financial uh, input that lets them have this delayed gratification, low time preference for, for Bitcoin and finances in the long term, while still, while still enjoying the present and in the things that have the most, you know, value for money as in, you know, relatively low value, but it still actually is, yeah, is very useful for them. But you can, you know, you're right. You, you can go like two extremes. So I think it's about finding some level of probably not 50, 50 balance, but more like an 80, 20 type of balance um, where you still make sure you, you live a life. Mm. Um, but you set yourself up for the future as well. So you can keep living that as time goes on in, in a comfortable way, um, in a meaningful way. So you can have Netflix. So I can have Netflix. If you want, yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's bad for your brain though. Justin yeah. said it's okay. So He just said it's bad for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I just well, heard it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, the, okay. That's, that's really awesome. I, I love that. That's a, yeah. Can we... There, so there, but there must have been so you're coming at it from the psychologist mindset, but and then you saw a potential investment, and then you sort of merge, tried to merge that with your business, but you, you know there was restrictions on you in terms of what you could do, and you know people aren't ready for it and they're whatever. 
Um, hmm. and, and mind you, this is what, 2018 at this stage or 2019? So that, was it. that would be, yeah, getting closer to 2019, um, which is when I more so figured out, like, it's just about Bitcoin, not about yeah. all these other things. It's really Bitcoin. And here's the, the level of um, yeah, utility that it has. So probably like late 2019, early 2020, and gave it a good shot for like a year and a bit. So that's mm. my question. That's my question. Um, what was it that made you realize? Is it an incremental buildup of knowledge? Or what was it that made you realize that it's only Bitcoin? As in compared can, can you, to can other cryptocurrencies? you point to something you read, somebody you listened to, um, somebody you spoke with um, that went, shit, yeah, that, that was it. Uh, is there a yeah. moment for you or do you... I don't, I, I don't think there was a specific moment. Like I can probably think of a few moments and like Alex Gladstein's work about the humanitarian environmental impacts. Um, finally reading the Bitcoin standard, which took me about three and a half years to get around to and then going like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, this is actually making sense, especially yeah. looking at the context of history with gold and then what Bitcoin is trying to do. And then reading Mastering Bitcoin, which I think if any Bitcoiner hasn't read those two books, but probably especially Mastering Bitcoin, you're like you're doing yourself a disservice and you're missing out on some of the, just the genius engineering that's gone into Bitcoin. And the fact that so many things have been thought out so far in advance it's just yeah it's kind of mind-blowing to be honest and i think it's probably probably reading mastering bitcoin that really made me go like this is definitely it um but i mean at that point i'd already been primed with with all this other information realizing that we've got a corrupt system bitcoin's probably the best chance that we have um reading a lot about how it's impacting people's lives already in a really positive way and can impact the environment in a positive way like i was already kind of primed with that information so once i started getting into this the kind of the hardcore technicals of bitcoin and realizing that all right this is not something that can just be like in quotations hacked or, or banned or, or shut down um there's no you know real obvious flaws or, or loopholes in the system like most things have been thought out and anything that wasn't thought out has relatively quickly been identified and, and fixed over time and it keeps getting better um, and I mean, that's just during its infancy. So it's going to keep getting better from this point on. Mm. So being able to kind of see where it's come from, then extrapolate that out a little bit more and have some nice comparisons, like saying, you know, this is all like the internet. It's just another layer yeah. to the internet. The internet, you know, now has the, you know, voice over IP protocol. Yeah. We've got SMTP, POP for email. Like we've got all these sort of communication protocols, um, but we don't have a monetary protocol on the internet yet. And so being able to kind of extrapolate that out just, yeah, makes it very obvious. Um, and, and I mean, to be honest, learning a bit more about shit coins as well and, and spending a bit of time in a bunch of different projects and realizing that it's very much about like pre-mine, proof of stake. That way you can have this exponential growth in, in uh, profits and power. And there's chain reorganizations, there's changes to supply issuances, and it's it's fractional reserve banking on steroids. So as an example that a couple of that I came across, one is uh, Binance. Obviously Binance has a lot of tokens on their exchange and, and they give people IOUs essentially and they hold the actual you know crypto tokens. So Binance set themselves- You mean their own, their own token or sorry? Oh, I, I, sorry. I mean, like all the cryptocurrencies okay, that, they, yeah, yeah. that they said. So they've got a bunch of bunch of cryptos on their exchange. People buy those cryptocurrencies. Really all they're getting is an IOU and Binance holds the actual currency. Binance was then taking those currencies and and staking on, say, Tron, Harmony, um, who knows, however, many other chains as well. With an incredible amount, they made themselves a dominant validator on each of those nodes. That's essentially like some level of 51% attack, even if they didn't quite get to 51%. And they're doing it essentially with a loan 
from users using their exchange. And of course they can do that because the staking turnaround is usually like three days or seven days. So if people start doing a bit of a, you know, exchange run or, you know, bank run, they can very easily convert that back from the stake and then put it back into the exchange. And when you start to see things like that happening, to me, it's just, it's the existing system on steroids. And rather than having a whole lot of regulation that kind of holds it together and tries to make it somewhat honest, there's none of that. It's just like wild, yeah. wild west. Um, whoever has the most money can exponentially grow their wealth and their power and then use that to do the exact same thing on another chain and then another chain, another chain. So knowing that and knowing about Bitcoin, that that made it clear. So, so um, I had a tweet the other day and it was just... Um... Uh, shit coiners deep down sheep, sheep, shit coiners know that they're shit coiners and that's why they're unhappy <laughs> um so you take somebody like jesse powell for example at kraken um i think deep down jesse's probably a good guy um and but he is he is he is uh proliferating these shit coins he is you know facilitating that behavior um and he's just but i see he just he was one of the ones who donated a bitcoin to uh, the trucker appeal in canada on tallycoin so uh, psychologically is that jesse compensating for his maybe there's a bit of cognitive yeah maybe there's a bit of cognitive dissonance there he kind of realizes what the bitcoin ethos is he yes. realizes what's going to change the world but then he is he's shitcoining he's yeah. essentially probably now trying to undo that to some extent by by doing a kind thing I think some of this, because I've done a lot of thinking about like, what are the psychological concepts that might make someone a shit coiner and keep them in that? And I've got like a long list of them, but some of that sort of popped to mind at the moment is like, I think familiarity, we, we like familiarity. Most people call it the comfort zone, but generally when they talk about it, it's, it's uncomfortable. They don't like it, but for some reason they keep going back to it. You can think of an abusive relationship as one of the most extreme versions of this or like Stockholm syndrome. It's not comfortable, but it's familiar. And so your brain being a problem solving and a do not get killed machine, your brain has mapped out all the risks and it says, well, look, this isn't great, but it's what I'm familiar with and I know how to operate and I can do that with relative efficiency. And therefore I don't need to deviate from that. And in fact, to deviate from that, oh, that's, I need to kind of disrupt homeostasis. I need to like do new things. I need to feel uncomfortable. I need to learn new things. I need to take a risk. So I'll just go with the risk that I know, which is familiarity. And I think the shitcoin. I guess the whole space is essentially a lot like the fiat system. It's driven by marketing. It's driven by like a team of people. There's, you know, there's people that you can blame or there's people that you can kind of have vested interest in. And it's relatively simple. You know, Michael Saylor says, what is it? A thousand hours or 10,000 hours? I think it's a thousand hours. I said, do a thousand hours and read about Bitcoin. And you, you understand probably fundamentally things that you need to understand about Bitcoin. Who wants to spend a thousand hours when you can just read a 30 minute white paper and some marketing content from a shitcoin company that says, Hey, look, we're going to be the better Bitcoin anyway. So don't even worry about boomer coin, just focus on ours instead. You know, it's that familiarity that, that drives their engagement in it but and that, the avoidance of discomfort of, of needing to deviate from that. But also that, I guess, and we talked about this previously, human nature to go for the shortest route to immediate gratification so absolutely these shit coiners my brother-in-law is a perfect example i spoke to him tonight about bitcoin and he's still going oh it's old technology there's so much stuff better out there but it, it, he's just going for what's going to make him fiat the quickest 
that's it. Yeah. Well, and he might, and it might probably won't as well. That's the other thing. But well, you know, it, of course, it has potential to ten x. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's not going to. There's no value being created at all. Mm. No, well, no, but to him it is because if he goes, all right, I've all of a sudden got. If he's the one lucky guy who jumps out at the right stop, exactly, yes. and, and he and hasn't, yeah. and he hasn't so far. So there you go. But if you're, but I guess it goes back to the as people increasingly get get pressed pressed into these difficult circumstances. You know, the nurse example. Where do they find a thousand hours to try and exactly to try, and, to try and learn about Bitcoin? Like your when, second great question for the nine like, hats. You're on fire. Like where do they? Where seriously though? Like how do you? How do we help people? How do we help people? Shortcut it a little bit from. I mean, I have to say, like since 2015. Like, in 15, you were scrambling. Like, I was the end of 15, right? So, um, at the, uh, certainly in 16, you were scrambling around for information. The information was generally awful. If you got, and you, sometimes you got lucky. But now, I mean, there's so much content out there that's fantastic. Tubeidiots.com. <laughs> but the other side of that is there's 10 times more shitcoin contact as, uh, content as well because, it, because they've got the marketing budget. Yeah, it's backed, it's so, funded, it's yeah. it's pizzazz, yeah, it's it's know, graphic design, it's everything. Absolutely, you know, like the Coinbase Stadium or whatever it might be, you know, that kind of thing. It's um, crypto.com. Is that God, the other one? The world, yeah. you could kind of probably relate this back to most of the, you know, the fiat science, fiat education, fiat food, fiat farming. What I mean by that is like, do you know what an, an eclipse attack is in terms of like Bitcoin world? So say yeah. if you run a full node, your node connects to anywhere from six to 12, perhaps other nodes that it gets information from. Say, for example, if the majority of those nodes were corrupt, were an attacker, they somehow positioned themselves to be your main source of information. Um, that's called an eclipse attack. And essentially they can feed you false information about the chain and let you build up a chain that, that doesn't exist or do double spend attacks or whatever it might be. I think an eclipse attack is essentially what's happening in the world, not just with Bitcoin and, and shit coins, but in terms of people don't know that they need to spend a thousand hours. Firstly, it's, it's hard to spend a thousand hours. Um, they don't want to do that because it's hard, that's really I'd say uncomfortable. it's hard not to spend a thousand hours, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think I spent about like 11,000 hours at this stage, yeah. maybe more. But the last for a lot of people, it's, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, double time. Uh, that's probably about accurate too because I've gotten used to, uh, I'm a 1.5 speed maximum. Uh, I can't do it. I can't but, do but, it. But get used to it. Just you got to let your brain tune no, into it. You know, I'm not that clever, but you. But do me a favor. At least, if you even if people if you don't listen to us, listen to Morpheus at the beginning of ours on two on two X. It's wonderful. Oh, I haven't done <laughs> yeah. it. It's like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> it's brilliant. Like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, that's really not an important point. But anyway, go on. I think what I, the the eclipse attack. So you know, people have a lot of misinformation essentially. So they're told you don't need to spend a thousand hours. If anyone says spend a thousand hours, don't. That's a lie. You've got a very simple fact sheet here. Just read this and you've got the answer to it. And so most people, they don't have that hours to spend. They mm. don't like uh, like discomfort. They are in survival mode and looking at the now. So for the instant gratification. And on top of that, they have just this resounding, what seems like well-supported and credible sources saying, you don't need to do that. Don't worry about that. Everything's fine. Inflation's really low. Don't even look at alternative currencies. Or if you do, look at NFTs. There's some rocks and apes here. You can get rich off them. Look at this other guy. They just sold it for $500 million for an ape. Like that sort of thing. People have, <laughs> they're suffering an eclipse attack. They have credible sources, seemingly credible sources of information, feeding them misinformation essentially. And that doubles down on their will or their lack of will 
to spend the time because well we don't like to spend the time firstly but if you're in survival mode you definitely don't want to spend the time on something that you don't know it's going to change your life especially when you could just get some fast food have a pill go to bed (laughs) just there's all these better options basically to avoid the discomfort than going all right let's lock myself in for a thousand hours over the next few weeks and really figure out what's going on with this bitcoin thing even though every credible source i have in my life tells me it's a ponzi yeah all right should we move on to yeah. you got more i was just no i was i was just sitting there thinking this is such an important topic maybe we should split the hard block side of things to another pod rather than run it two and a half hours well i probably i'm not i mean can we do it i mean we can do it right now but just i just mean split the pod um as it, yeah we still do it tonight yes absolutely just, we'll keep going but we'll, for the sake of the listener separate these two things out oh justin how do you feel about that yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to so do that. No put you on the spot, mate. Sorry, just put um. Is, is, that, good okay. for, is that good for everybody? Because I, all right, I don't well, want to. I don't want to give this. I don't want to not give this the attention it deserves. No, true. Okay. Well, yeah. You you got more? Um. <laughs> um nope. Maybe, maybe I don't. Then. Maybe I don't. I thought we were just, so. I, I guess my thing is, uh, yeah. At what point does it become? It's just the. the, the how do you make people fall over the edge of the rabbit hole? Is it that we just like you could you could talk to your blue in the face to some people, but some people you care about, but they're your cousin or whoever it is, your brother-in-law, oh, my um, sister, man. <laughs> oh, I I have an I have a friend who studied economics. He's an accountant, and he's studying an MBA. And we can't move past the initial point of what is Bitcoin for because he doesn't believe that the dollar is losing value. He thinks modern monetary theory is a, you know, is a heterodox. It's not really happening. Um, And even if America is doing something like that, Australia is completely insulated because we're not doing it. Like, well, firstly, we are doing it. Secondly, most of our reserve assets is US dollars. 59% 59% of the entire world's reserve assets are US dollars. So, and of course, just the, it is losing value. I mean, we might as well just stop the argument at there, but we, we get stuck on really basic points like that. And it's people that have incredibly intelligent, incredibly educated, but just, again, eclipse attack. They have all this information saying everything's fine. This yeah. haphazard system works well. well Don't worry about it, it. Don't think it too has, hard. Pod, pod title, eclipse attack. Yeah. If Def- it, definitely. If it has worked well for you, for 5, 10, 15, 20 years or a, or a career. You're incentivized to keep it going. Why, why, would you, you why would you want to believe? You don't want yeah. to believe that mm. it's it's all been a lie. Mm. And especially if people think they're late because that, that's the general consensus when yeah. I talk to people and they're like, yeah, I know it's it's gone really well, but you know, I wish I got in earlier. Firstly, if you got in earlier, you would have sold, so you wouldn't be holding it right now anyway, but let's yeah. not worry about that. <laughs> it's not late. You know, It's going to be here long after we're all dead still being mined essentially so it's it's early but people have this you know essentially different you know biases anchoring bias and looking at it and saying well geez the price used to be here it'll probably go back there maybe i'll wait you know that's why we have to go into sats isn't it well but i mean yeah because it's that whole number bias i think that keeps people shitcoining too is they say well you know rather than getting a fraction of a bitcoin i could have it you know a million of these coins what if they become worth a dollar i have a million dollars it's not going to come it's not going to become (laughs) worth a million dollars so i think yeah there's a lot of biases i think that keep people stuck if we um see because you can't even just give somebody some bitcoin because that doesn't work either because if you give them the bitcoin there's they're still subject to this um you know shitcoin onslaught and they could quite easily just trade it on some casino 
for the next coin that they think is going to. So really, what you want is to give somebody have some give, give somebody some Bitcoin, have them get, mm. download an app, put that Bitcoin on an app, and have it time locked for two years or three years. Yeah. Right. And then if you did, they would every now and again they would open the app and go, "Oh, what's the value of my Bitcoin? Oh, it went down. I was right." Or "Holy shit, that that's gone up loads." And I there's nothing they can do about it. They can't unlock it until the time passes. No, but the other good thing is like so. Um, I my nephew had his 18th. Um, and for his 18th, I gave him well some stuff, but I also gave him some Bitcoin. And some I said, sats, surely. Some sats, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's a legend. Uh, and um, I said to my brother that night, I'm like, the best thing about this is that he doesn't know how to fucking sell that or get rid of it. He doesn't. Yes. It's, on li- he, it's on lightning. He doesn't know what to do with it. I want to give people open dimes because mm. I, I think they'll have even less chance because then they need to get a wallet. They need to mm. figure out how the open dime even works. So I just want to give them out and say, just put this somewhere really safe. Mm. And, and yeah, if you can figure out how to use it and you want to take the Bitcoin off there, that's great because then you're probably going to be a bit more engaged in, in what it is and maybe learn a bit more about it. But if you can't, that's fine. You, you probably do yourself a, a service that way. I think something like that where you can introduce people to it, but kind of protect them from it. Yeah. And if you can't look at it, just give it back to me in 10 years. Well, remember the guy? Yeah, and I'll help you. Yeah. guy at um, the first, yeah. the first yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say his name, but not that it matters. I won't. Um, but And he was... He was burying open dimes in the forest and GP, and like G- taking G- a GPS location. Oh, a geocaching. Yeah, 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 I love yeah. it. And, That's brilliant, man. Creating, cool. a ma- creating a treasure map and he's going to leave it in his will. Like, Fucking Bitcoin Willy it. Wonka. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. That's brilliant, right? That's so good. Imagine that. Yeah, that's better than Willy Wonka. It's better than a golden ticket, that. Um, Have you guys found anything that has seemed more successful than, say, other things that you've tried to get people just, just a little bit more engaged? Like, is there any any particular way of explaining it or... Yeah. I, I'm finding that I'm only now um, being... Like, I'm only now decent-ish at um, not selling Bitcoin, but at least mm. arguing the all the points. You know what I mean? Like, it took me a while. To, like, I had this and this, and then I'm like, fuck, there's a few other ones, but if I can't, I can't think of it. If somebody came at you with energy fudge, you would have a decent answer for them. Now, but yeah, yeah not, not yeah. previously. And usually what happens is it's... Usually on a drunken night out with friends or something, and and then I'm on a rant. And they ask me a question, and mm. I'm like, "Oh, I'm fucking smashed!" But here we go. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah. So no. <laughs> my I would say I uh, slightly. I think I'm getting better at it, but I and, but I think the better at it is I for years focused on what what was important to me. Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. Same. And and I was like, because I because that's what I knew more about, right? And I, so I avoided the things that I wasn't so clever on, and I did the thing that I was smarter on, and I and it was important to me. But now it's it's like, okay, right? Who am I talking to? I'm talking to a nurse, or I'm talking to a yeah. you know a, a you know banker, or I'm talking to a you know whatever it might be a kid. But even that's that's a um, skill in of itself is being able to sort of identify the person and then be able to tailor the orange filling to that. Yeah. That's pretty good. If you speak to somebody who's like a, a football, a soccer fan, right? And these guys, you know, some of these players are on, you know, 500 grand a week. But like the, the transfer fees were 10 million 10 years ago, but they're 100 million now, right? They care about that. They care deeply about those things because mm. their team can't afford the 100 million player. Mm. And they're like, well, why can we not afford one? Well, let me tell you, you know, is that yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you why your team can't afford it. And, and they care deeply about that. So if you can find the angle, and but saying even just saying the word angle makes you sound like a horrible salesman. It does. True. Um, and I don't, 
mean it that way, obviously, but or hopefully, obviously, but um, yeah, you just have to find somebody's whatever it is that they care about, and then speak to them about that. that just in life, honest, not, think, not, not on Bitcoin, like even in life, you just find about the everything that they care about. How, how about you, right. Justin? I probably made the same mistakes as you in, in the sense that to begin with, I would I would read a lot and listen to a lot and I'd have all these great ideas in my head, but then sometimes pulling it all together and actually being able to remember it all in the moment was really difficult. So then we would get stuck on a point like energy fight or something like that. Mm. And then when I moved past that point, it almost got worse <clears throat> because I had things that I was really interested in that I thought were incredibly profound, but it was just far beyond the level that anyone wanted to know yeah. about. So I talk about, you know, the the laws of thermodynamics and how we <laughs> now have a money that has no leakage. And it, it's actually in line with thermodynamics where like it's never wasted. You know, you, you might lose control of it, but it doesn't go anywhere. Whereas, you know, the fiat system constantly leaks and people are just like, uh, yeah. What, I, I what just glazed over, What does that man. mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, I've, I've, so, I've been on the slave trade with people who really don't care. <laughs> I think eventually I figured just simplifying it, just bringing it down to some bare basics and even leading with the question of, at this point, most people have heard about Bitcoin. So normally asking like, you know, you must have, you must have heard something. What have you heard? And what concerns you about it? What questions do you have about it? Or how do you think it might be relevant to you? And, and, you know, don't ask all those three questions at the same time because that's probably very similar. <laughs> but if you do them like bit by bit, you start to get a, a sense of where someone's at. And most people have learned a little bit about it. And sometimes people come at it from such a basic angle, like, oh, look, I'm just worried because it could be used for crime. It's like, okay, well, that's interesting because you can actually pick that apart. You can show them some stats. You can even talk about the petrodollar and the wars and, you know, the over rampant consumerism and all the things that we do and money laundering with fiat currency. And we don't want to do like too many whataboutisms of like pointing at fiat and saying that's bad. So this isn't so bad. You want to kind of come at it with stats, but at least it gives you the frame to say, well, mm -hmm. this is where they're thinking. They're like, oh, this Bitcoin thing's sort of interesting, but like, what about criminals? Isn't that bad? So if you start talking about like hard money or freedom money or, you know, uncensorable money, none of that's probably going to make much sense. In fact, that probably makes them feel worse about it. So I guess asking people, yeah, what do they know? What concerns do they have? And how do they think it might be sort of relevant or useful for them? And that gives you a pretty good idea of, of, of where to, to target it and try to keep it relatively simple. Look, this is a nice framework. I'm not saying I have like raging success with that, but I feel like I've had more success doing that than saying, hey, I just read this really amazing thing. Let me explain it to you. And everyone's eyes just glaze over and still no one understands Bitcoin at the end of the conversation. Yeah. I'm, you, you're aware of Mike Still? Who's the guy? Don't... Uh, he's, uh, is he English? Um, he, um, I think he's English. Yeah. Um, he's the guy who goes around with the microphone on he's, you see some youtube um and oh you, me, Twitter, yeah, video, yeah yeah youtube as well yeah, but, yeah, yeah um and just do you know about bitcoin and he's at you know just back and forward and I, I think i've seen him yeah yep. um yes. and i think that's that's pretty effective i mean obviously and he's because he's giving he's giving people bitcoin right or some sad mm. as well so and and a lot lots of them refuse which is which is really funny but um but and then just now and again you get somebody who's hugely excited by it but that he's just going down to a level that people are ready to talk about you know have you heard about bitcoin do you think yeah. it's a good thing why do you think it's a bad thing would you like some you know those kind of questions and i'm not i don't mean to say it in that way to belittle the question i think that's really important um 
but I would be really keen to do that. Now, not we we don't do the video stuff, and I'm not really so keen to do it, but just because of my face. But um, yeah, you, you don't want to see hats. Fuck I, 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 I was a glove model before <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, that's yeah, that's that's really. I think that's quite effective. I'd like to do that just just for a bit of fun, just like go on the street with a dictaphone and just talk to people and say, um, you know, what do you know type thing? Or yeah, um, I I got a question. Go mm. Are we fucking doing two parts or one part? Oh, sorry. We're not going. To, so, is there anything else on the sort of psychology psychology side of things that we want to, you want to talk about? Or um, we, or we want to wrap this one up and go to the next one. I got nothing. We well, never got anything. I know. I just, <laughs> um, is there anything? No. Is there anything else that's um, from from your side that you'd like to just touch on whilst we're on that topic? I don't. I don't think so. I think we probably covered all the broad stuff about Bitcoin. Bitcoin related to psychology kind of what got me interested from psychology into bitcoin i think that's yep. probably the yeah we've covered most of the parts for sure All right, that's great like well, the hope and the purpose is important yeah absolutely and i think again like the, it's multi-pronged isn't it you know people knowing that bitcoin exists and knowing the existing existing system is corrupt i think that is powerful and provides meaning in and of itself people being able to save with bitcoin and actually have a financially more secure future that gives even greater meaning and low time preference and then if it becomes really contagious and they decide to work towards making bitcoin better by supporting a bitcoin business i don't just mean by like spending their money there but like actually joining a bitcoin business and trying to work in the industry or even just being a you know evangelizing and talking about bitcoin to people educating you know people about bitcoin i think that those like three layers you know understand the context get off zero and then get involved there's just like escalating levels of, of meaning and optimism and hope that can be derived from that and you know maybe going all that way is not for everyone but at least going those first couple of steps i think most people could benefit from just understanding it and getting off zero and that awesome. is the perfect segue for part two so join us again yep. shortly with justin all right thanks justin Thank you, mate. Sorry, that probably went longer than we were thinking about. No, that's okay. It's all good. Keep going. Yeah, I am keen. I'm keen. Do you know what? I'm talking about Bitcoin. I'm not cutting this. This is one episode. Hats. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm literally not cutting this. I don't. I think there's this thing called editing. You can just. You can look at it post and just cut it. Yeah, totally. But I'm not. I'm not gonna. Not gonna do that. You're not about that. Two and a half. I don't know. It's been. It's been an hour. Like we've had like an hour fifty. I don't know why we're cutting it. A ding 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 ding. Hats. No, I'm not having that. Too too bad. Welcome back. I do the audio. Welcome back. Hi, Justin. Welcome back to part two of. Oh yeah. So, but they were so you're working in in part of your time. I'm not. You're gonna hate. You're gonna hate this. I'm gonna hate. It's gonna really bother me. I'm yeah. Anyway, you're working part of your time um, with Hardblock, which is mm -hmm. a Bitcoin exchange, Bitcoin-only exchange out of Adelaide. Correct. Yeah, and, and the That's right. first in the country, yes? First in the country, yeah. So 2014, they set up. Uh, it, it was very basic when they set up. So Daniel... Wil Wilksinski, I probably just, oh, I definitely have to <laughs> If you can't name, pronounce so it, no one can. Sorry about that, Daniel. <laughs> but Daniel, well, man, Daniel. Uh, Hi, set Daniel. it up. Exactly, in 2014. And he he has some history. So he's from Poland originally uh, with a name like Wilksinski. I, I think you could probably yeah make that assumption. But Poland has had their you know fair share of totalitarian rule as well as two uh, hyperinflation events in the last I want to say 100 years, but I think it's like the last 110 years. But either way, two hyperinflation events, like he understands the need for hard money. 
And he set it up in 2014 relatively basically where it's just a website when someone wants to put in a buy order, it would send him an email and he would go buy the Bitcoin and then he would you know, send it to that person. And gradually over time, it's been built up. It's always remained a pretty lean team, um, not a whole lot of marketing behind it, uh, but it's gradually grown. And their ethos really, it kind of, it struck me because I, I don't just want to work at an exchange because some exchanges, even if they're Bitcoin only, they're all about trading or they're all about leverage trading. Um, and that doesn't seem to be, to me, the best way for people to use Bitcoin. I mean, if people want to do that, that's that's great, but that's just sort of not in alignment with my own values. And Hardblock has this just dollar cost average approach. So if you want to buy the dip, sure, buy the dip. But gradually, uh, generally speaking, it's better to just kind of gradually buy in more and more over the course of time. Um, put aside a small amount, like a savings account, essentially. And knowing that, and also knowing that he has turned away countless offers to shitcoin and kept it a Bitcoin only to quite likely the detriment of the business in terms of profit because shitcoin casinos and leverage trading, et cetera, is where the money would be. That to me shows like he's got a very solid ethical grounding and, and he's sort of made that really and the, disseminated. And working with, I'm right in saying he's had issues with banks as well. Yeah, he's had 15 or more bank accounts shut down. Um, now for the last year or so, there's been two banks, um, which I won't mention, but they've been, they're more like neobanks and they've been mm. really good, really solid. I understand like other crypto exchanges and Bitcoin exchanges use them. Um, so there's a, a pretty good certainty there that they'll, they'll be solid for a while. Uh, but yeah, he's had his fair share of, of being shut down and having barriers thrown at him um, to keep the business going. But he's, he's managed to, to keep doing it over time and hasn't really wavered from that, that initial ethos of let people access hard money in a simple way. Like I, what drew me to the exchange was that their sign up and their verification process was the least invasive I'd been through. And it took me just a couple of minutes. And that was my um, question. Used... Were you a customer first and then you yes. approached to work there or, did, or how did that work? That's right. So I joined the Adelaide Bitcoin Telegram group yep. and thought I might start going to some uh, Bitcoin meetups. And then I noticed Daniel, who was the owner of that group, um, he had hardblock.com.au in his uh, profile. So I went to that and thought, oh, this is an exchange. Website looks you know, hugely out of date. Looked it up on abn.com and thought, okay, yeah, this is actually a legit business. And this guy, after finding out some more details, he's been running the Adelaide Bitcoin meetup since 2015. So he's very well known in the space. And I thought, okay, well, look, I might as well sign up to this and give it a try. I, you know, I probably won't mention the exchanges that I have used before, but it was, you know, the majority of the very big exchanges that get into all the other shit coins as well. So I thought I'll, I'll sign up to his, see how it goes. And Does I like the simplicity like of it. independent reserve? <laughs> no, actually I haven't no, used that oh. one. Okay, but there, yeah. there's Crack like it, there's the word coin. Coinbase or a Gemini yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah right. there's there's a coin in in about three of the exchanges that I've used in the name of them, and so it's just yeah, I was I used yeah, no, it's it's terrible. Yeah, but I I like the fact that they also simplify things, so they don't have any added fees. Um, so no deposit fees, no withdrawal fees, no trade fees. They have a trade spread. They they need to make money some way, but it's not complicated. So a lot of other exchanges, I don't like the idea of having hidden fees, or where there's an, a spread as well as a 1% fee. And you think you're just paying the 1% fee, but you're actually paying the spread on top of that. And then of course, when you try to withdraw, they might have a set fee of like $15 or $5, which is ludicrous. Whereas Hardblock has set there. So the only fee they have essentially is the withdrawal fee, which is the Bitcoin network fee. And they've set that at the uh, the medium 
fee on yeah. mempool space. So you can't so, you can't choose speed fees like not yet, fees? but that, not yet. that that will be coming eventually. And it, either way, at the moment, the fees are usually around two hundred sats for a withdrawal for Bitcoin, which is fifty cents or something like that, which is relatively cheap. But they have a couple of new features coming out um, just within the next couple that's, of sorry, days. That's, that's, big, sort of, that's Bitcoin, not not Lightning. Two hundred sats withdrawal fee. Yes, that's Bitcoin, not Lightning. They don't have any Lightning yeah, I mean, integration that's, that's cool. yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, listen to this. So it's getting down to ninety nine sats. <laughs> yeah. So they, they've got two new uh, two new features coming out. One called Auto Buy and one called Auto Send. So Auto Buy, the idea behind it is you go into your Hardblock account, you turn Auto Buy on. And now anytime you send money from your bank account to Hardblock, it'll automatically just buy Bitcoin. So if you want at, to do that manually- At the market rate. At the market rate, that's right. And if you want to do that manually to you know, buy the dip, you can do that. But the intention is that you would then go set up a recurring payment from your bank account and you then wouldn't need to go back into Hardblock and do anything else. It would just be control the rest from your bank, set it up in Hardblock just once. And so is that ideally, like a BPAY or a PID type? transfer or, it would like, or just generally a manual be, transfer how, how, how are you actually asking people to do that right now so it'd be eft or pay id okay pay id yeah yeah and pay id or eft given the amount that people usually dollar cost average even for eft it's generally received within that same couple of minutes yes, um, and pay id is, is right. essentially instant so yeah. that there's not a whole lot of delay and changing in the bitcoin price but yeah, so the idea is you would you would set that up in your account and then you don't need to go back into your hardbox account if you don't want. You can just manage the rest from your bank. Ideally, people also use the auto send feature. And, and these two features are, are kind of meant to be used together. Um, they have a good synergy, I guess you could say. So the auto send feature, what that does is you set the, uh, the threshold that you want it to trigger at. So it could be like 0.01 BTC um, or 0.001 BTC, which means when it gets to that level, the auto send will trigger. And what that does is it'll put people into a batched send that goes out on Saturday night. And by being able to batch the transactions in that way, we've been able to get the fees much lower. And rather than, than profiting off of it, we just want to pass that on to customers, the savings. So it ends up being 99 sat withdrawal fees, as long as you use the uh, auto send feature. Um, of course, you designate the address you want it to be sent to as well. And, and preferably it would be sent to something like a hardware wallet and so if you if you log in you sign up you verify you turn on auto send you turn on uh, auto buy then you go into your bank account you set up a recurring payment you don't need to do anything else you know it's literally going directly from your bank to your hardware wallet and you're getting 99 sat fees withdrawal um, whenever that happens to trigger some people might have such a volume that it happens every week sometimes it's you know every six weeks it really depends on the threshold people set and the amount that they're their dollar cost averaging in from that bank account payment into Hardblock. So for people that are listening, what that actually also means is that um, Hardblock are not whole, are, you'll be minimizing the Bitcoin you're holding for on behalf, custodian on behalf of customers. Um, and um, so that's, well, some people want to hold the Bitcoin because they can do other things with it. Um, but you're actually, by taking it off, by taking away from your own business, you're, you're just, you're encouraging people just to hold their own Bitcoin, right? Hold their own. Yes, keys. that um, is very much the one of the one of the parts that I do in terms of education is how to make people more self-sovereign to understand what it means in the first place, what are the benefits of it, and then let's simplify it so so people can do it relatively easily. And in that, I, I have a you know obviously the interest in privacy. So there's a lot of things people can do to ensure their privacy broadly as well as on chain, but 
Hardbot doesn't want to hold people's Bitcoin. Um, I mean, it, look, there's regulatory and compliance issues that that comes with, but at the end of the day, it's not in line with the Bitcoin ethos. And so Daniel doesn't want to hold people's Bitcoin to secure it. He wants people to learn how to do that themselves. Um, and we want to help people do that as well. But we're trying to make as many tools available where that process is streamlined and therefore there's no restrictions to doing it. So from so so your role then is an education point of view, if there's a customer's coming, it's all very well. That is the right thing to do, but it, but then people being able to do it is the next hurdle, right? So they have True. to have they have to understand what you know a hardware wallet is, how they manage their own hardware wallet, how how they set up an address, how they if they want to you know change that address so they're not constantly using reusing same address or that kind of thing. So that's is right. That, is that where you fit in or where? where Absolutely. Yeah. And, and a lot of that at the moment uh, has really been little tips in our newsletter that comes out every month, as well as uh, if you follow the Hardwalk Twitter account, um, I'm usually talking quite a lot about the type of wallets to use, um, the benefits of, of you know privacy conscious practice, so not reusing transactions, not merging UTXOs, um, not holding a, an exorbitant amount in a hot wallet, keeping the majority in, in cold storage or a hardware wallet. So using essentially our social media as well as our newsletter um, and in the fullness of time, there could be other guides and, uh, and content and blog posts that we put on the side, but trying to make that really, uh, really available to people. We do have a lot of so one-on-one interactions and I, I think over the course of time that'll increase as well because initially, even if someone can look at a guide, they do need a bit of hand-holding sometimes. Um, especially if there's age barriers or just technology barriers or someone doesn't even know what a wallet is in the first place. And then now you're talking about a cold storage hardware wallet. It's just, it's a little bit too much. So even though we do put out content that is trying to kind of broadly cover this topic, uh, we do some individual work with people as well, just to, to help them get their head around it and to kind of coach them through at least the first process of it. Um, uh, lightning withdrawals? Not yet. We're considering it. But because the because the clients that we have at the moment are they're not all Bitcoin savvy, and they're most of them are just getting into Bitcoin. Something like Lightning is that probably that extra level that complicates things a little bit too much. But with the way that Lightning is going and just the utility that it has, um, it's something that we're definitely considering. And I think, we can I, get think the, I think you have the fees to. even cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean the way I see it just now, and I don't put I wouldn't. wouldn't put a person well you know roughly i would you know 90 a high, and a percentage in the high 90s you would be holding yourself in a hardware wallet and then you should have a, mm. a low a low single digit percentage of your bitcoin holding in a lightning wallet to as a as a utility to spend like i like the idea of spend and replace i like the mm. idea of it i like the idea of spending 500,000 sats or 200,000 sats and but then replacing you know, two hundred and ten thousand. Yes, so regardless yeah. of what I did that with uh, yeah. Owen's meat. Yes, yeah, so you can't say that, but you'll believe you. Oh, dogs why that. can't I say that? Because you can't say. That. I'm not. Ah. <laughs> I mean, but, but I did the same thing. I mean, Showen's schmeat. <laughs> yes, there you go. Well covered, Brendo. But um, indeed, privacy. <laughs> you're now. That's that was two actually. So you're now to three hundred sets. What was my first one? That was two there and one last week. So that's you. So we've got a little thing going where it's going to dox, a dox bank and we'll, we'll no 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 it to somewhere. it's the docks i like it docks jar that's briskets briskets docks jar we need to call briskets it yeah jar that's not easy to say but i'll, I'll go for it um <clears throat> so we'll donate it somewhere good but um 
I've got the real, derailed myself. What was I yeah, saying? Yeah, no idea. I, I think you were saying Lightning. Uh, it's probably better to have ninety percent in in hardware wallet and then ten percent in Lightning, perhaps. Which which makes sense because what we're trying to get people to do is is dollar cost average for the long term, and usually just putting it into a hardware wallet is probably more in line with what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And as we grow and as our as our clients grow as well in terms of their understanding yep. and they want to to use Bitcoin, and then something easier. like <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then adding Lightning becomes like a no-brainer to do because then people will say, oh, this is my spending Bitcoin. So I want yes. to transfer this into my Lightning wallet. I don't want to have to do that from my hardware wallet. And so we'll have that option. But at the moment, the majority are just trying to save in Bitcoin, save in hard money. And, and that's why we've kind of gone without Lightning for now and just try to make it as cheap and, and streamlined as possible. It's a process. I mean, it's a process. We, you know, you take absolutely, you, you, yeah. you, you knock over the most important things first and then and then and then work your way through um but yeah like we we're talking think... about before go on oh, okay like we we're talking about before with the uh how do you approach bitcoin with people how do you get them on board simplifying it breaking it down into just very small initial steps don't even tell them too much about all the other steps that might come on afterwards because it just becomes a little bit overwhelming but just going back to basics and getting people off zero i find once people are off zero it almost becomes this you know self-perpetuating cycle where they start to find out more yeah. they want to experiment with spending it and then they realize how hey, this is actually pretty easy now there's this lightning thing that apparently makes it easier let me find out about that so it's we're just trying to drip feed it essentially and, and you, you know i think sorry go on sorry no you go I'll yeah leave. i was always gonna say i was just gonna like... go on please please i'll shut up <laughs> i was just gonna say i think the next year or two will be huge in terms of Bitcoin adoption, but also people's understanding of Bitcoin and, and just the ease of use. Because at the moment, it is you know it's pretty technical to use it. I, like I've always been into to IT and and you know hardware stuff, so it's relatively easy for me to get my head around. But a lot of people, it's sort of it's a little bit too complicated. But I think over the course of time, most of that complexity will be abstracted away, and they'll just be looking at a really simple interface. It'll be super, you know, the concepts will be easy to understand. And at that point, I think, you know, it's easy for then us to scale up the utility of the exchange to complement where people are at. So I think the next couple of years will will be flying in that regard. Yep. Yeah, all I was going to say with Lightning and just going back to the sort of orange pilling side of things, the good thing about Lightning is you can, it is so quick and it's almost, yes. free, almost free. So it's not like you can send, you know, send somebody 10 bucks and get them to send it back and you lose half of it to the, the chain cost. Um, <laughs> True. Like, and they're like, well, I'm never doing that because I just, you just, you know, whatever. In order to get it through quickly, you, in, 10, in 10 minutes, you had to pay X, um, you know, if the mempool's busy but, um, or full. But, um, but yeah, the light, lightning is good for that. So that's a it's, it's a good little party trick. Lightning is good. It's so easy. You just say, yeah. just download Moon Wallet or Blue Wallet, set up an account, you QR code, scan it, and then it's like, that's it. Final settlement. It's there. It's instant. It's near free. You could yeah. be on the other side of the world if you wanted and showing me that QR code over a Zoom you know, yeah. session. Yeah. And then you yeah. could go buy something in a store with it that allow, like it blows people's mind when you actually show them and it happens instantly like that. Yeah. We, we did that remember we did it wallet of satoshi we used um yeah and the first time and we're like holy shit like that's just, that's oh we did we're su- super excited it was very that. exciting yeah, for yeah. the first time it happens it's very when you if you comprehend what's happening it's a very exciting definitely um, yep. um right. my, my criticism all right so um, oh. mm-hmm. my is that fucking safe yeah that's fine oh it's my been God. There all, the time. all right i'm um, sorry bob i've got a glass of wine balancing on an angle um <laughs> it's all good I've never dropped a wine in my life. I'm not going to start today. Um, the um, yeah. So when when you go on the the website, um, 
I would say it probably lacks information up front before you have to sign up. Um, that's yep. and that's that would be my one not criticism but like my one piece of critical feedback hopefully um and uh, yeah yeah that would how would you address that would you do you agree or hundred uh, percent absolutely like I said when I first went to the website after seeing it in Daniel's profile I thought hmm this looks really old and maybe a bit dodgy and then I thought I'm gonna go check the ABN of this just to see how long has this company been around for and once I had that verification and then also learned a bit of the history about how long he's run the meetup that's what that's what won me over um I I guess once I got into the site, I, I prefer simplicity anyway. So the rest of it didn't matter too much once I knew it was credible, but it, it is absolutely good feedback because that stops people from signing up in the first place. So I'm not sure if you've been to the website since, but we've had a makeover of the, the front page and over the next three months, um, perhaps even up to six months, all the rest of the website is being uh, having a makeover essentially. There'll be new information in there. There'll be more information about the team, the support, the, the history of the of Hardblock themselves. And it'll it'll look much more modern and it'll be optimized more for mobile phones. So it's becoming more user-friendly, nicer on the eye, and yeah. there'll be more information available at the outset without people having to either get in there or, or do some research behind the scenes in Telegram or on ABN Lookup or whatever it might be. And I mean, I would be uh, open with people. Like, you know, we make our money on the... on the. I mean, this is... You do, do with this what you will, but like... um. Like we make our money on the spread. That's that. That is our business model to make our money on the spread. But but what yeah. you get back is that we charge you very very low fees. Um, that's right. So we would encourage you to compare that with other, you know, what that kind of language. Because just the more yeah. open you can be with people, I think you you build up a level. As you say, you build up a level of trust, um, and then you move forward with it. With the, uh, I think we have a, there is something now on the website that asks that. It says, how do you charge no fees? How do you make your money? And we explained, we have a spread. That's how yep. we make our profit. But yep. we want to make it relatively simple I'll, and we want yeah, to make it no hidden. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, so my, okay, so my comments are probably a month back when I actually had a good look, but um, cool. True. Um, so what do you see, like, for your own role? Um, how, how do you want to progress yourself at, at the business? CBO. <laughs> CBO. CBO. Chief uh, Bitcoin officer, have you not oh, heard that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I think Daniel Patrick, will probably Patrick have that, over at, that um, term. Perth. Yeah. I mean, if you ever get the chance, uh, Patrick is a great guy over at um, Perth Heat. Perth Heat? Yeah, oh, yeah. You could, yeah, you can listen to that guy. Yeah, Follow that story but, a lot but, and listen to him on a few pods. Yeah, try listening to him at one and a half speed. Oh, possible. Good possible. luck. Too quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, where I, where I see it going, so I've started in November last year. Um, so I've only been there for about three months now. And I've only worked a day and a half per week, which means I've cumulatively done about three and a half full-time weeks there so far. So <laughs> don't early. feel like I've been there a lot and I've been producing content, but what I want to try to do, because I realize that producing like writing articles and writing guides, that is, is helpful. It's incredibly time consuming and, and most people don't have time to read it. So I'd really like to get into the podcasting space in a few different ways. Um, I think apart from yourselves, there's not a whole lot of podcasting about Bitcoin that's Australian focused. Mm. And so I think it would be really cool to have a, a podcast that does a bit of a news digest, keeping it relatively brief of what's relevant to Australia, um, as well as guests. So people that are, are trying to set up a Bitcoin business or they're into Bitcoin you know, and, and just kind of learning their journey and getting people just to see that cross-section of, of other people in the population and what's brought them to Bitcoin to learn something from it. And of course, the people at Hardblock. So, so Daniel's a developer, but he's obviously got a lot of uh, experience in, in Bitcoin and even things like hyperinflation. Um, Jeremy, uh, who's the product manager there, 
has an engineering background. He's worked in sustainability, supply chain management. So he has, you know, just a depth of knowledge and he's got an interest in things like the energy sector, in gold and, and in just macroeconomics and myself in terms of psychology. Mm. Um, and I guess some of the other things we've talked about with Bitcoin today, I have a, a bit of a, an understanding of. So I figure we have a good cross-section of, of different philosophies and, and different uh, educational backgrounds and different experience that I think would be cool just to talk about some basic stuff like what is Bitcoin? And each of us gets to talk a little bit about that and just you know, share our perspectives. What are the attack vectors of Bitcoin? Um, where could Bitcoin be in, you know, five or 10 years time, not just price predictions, but like fundamentals. So I think, you know, making content like that, that's easy to consume rather than people having to read it. And it's also easier to to create that kind of content as well, at least in terms of the, the time commitment versus writing. So that's where I'd like to see my role go more and more. I'll mention another thing, which I think is really cool that we're doing. Um, probably can't talk too much about it, but one of the things we're doing is trying to get more local businesses um, to accept Bitcoin. So there's a there's a barber in uh, Adelaide City called Encrypted Barber. And hmm. there's a, a, a bar on Hindley Street called The Little Red Door. And they both accept Bitcoin. And there's a few other businesses that are keen to get involved, but there's just a bit of a sticking point. And even for those two businesses that are already into Bitcoin, they don't have the most sophisticated way of doing payment processes. Mm. So we'd like to get them on like BTC pay server or something along those lines and, and doing it free of charge, just as a way to build the community, build the ecosystem yeah. and kind of give back to businesses that want to get involved, but are either reluctant or they're mm. keen, but there's a, there's a technical barrier. And yeah. so trying to get out there to businesses and, and help, you know, people get on board. And then after we've done everyone who really wants to get on board is to go out to people who don't know anything about Bitcoin and try to get them on board as well. And I think that, I mean, we're kind of located in Adelaide, which means that's the focus for now, but that's something that hopefully will become quite contagious. And I know people already do that in various pockets of the world. So I think if they see an exchange doing that, which is really just building a bit of, I guess, goodwill, um, but not really profiting, people will perhaps be more inclined to do the same thing themselves as well. And I think that plus the podcast, plus the other content is just a nice kind of package that helps people understand Bitcoin, privacy, hard block, and, and kind of how it all fits together. Excellent. I mean, the Bush Bash was good for that when we were, so we're at, we went to a pub called the Railway Hotel in Morundi, um, and yeah. some, somebody convinced the bar to accept Bitcoin for beer. Was it easy, easy or? Maybe, not sure, but yeah, you think it probably was actually. And then they had a moon moon wallet maybe yep it was um and the, you know obviously the, the the girl that was behind the bar no knowledge whatsoever to start with mm. first round was quite difficult i went back 25 minutes later and she was an expert i mean it was mm. it, it, like it, it, maybe it was an hour like it would have been 25 minutes probably. no well not only that but, but i'm sure she was coming around to tables and just letting people tip her. Yeah, great. I mean, <laughs> well, and, and as bitcoiners be like yeah we'll do it <laughs> absolutely but I mean, that's the um, that's the that's the sort of contagion you want, right? I mean, yeah, that's, it was yeah, great, and it's true. great to see. Um, it's great to see that that was even just possible. Like, that, yeah, that like was we were we were at we're at a stage now where somebody can go from no knowledge to, you know, basically enough in about twenty five minutes. Um, there's only so much you can do. You know, if it's a hot wallet or a lightning wallet, I mean, there's only so many functions that it has. Mm. So I think once someone's done it, 
five times, 10 times, even just like yeah. two or three times, you, you get the hang of it. And you know, there's not a whole lot that you can stuff up in that process. Mm. And by the time you just get that repetition in, and especially if it's for relatively low amounts, like, you know, in a bar or, you know, where it's just yeah. $5 at a time or $10 at a time, even $20 at a time, there's nothing catastrophic can go wrong with that. And so relatively kind of, I think not a steep learning curve for it. It just takes a bit of practice, but yeah, I think people just have that barrier of not understanding it or not knowing where to start. And, yeah yeah you just need a person uh, kind of hold, a hand holder don't you and also that's as you right. said before like if you go out and you support your local businesses and and it doesn't have to be you know paid for you build a trust you build a reputation around your business uh, it's probably the probably kind of the swan model with you know that's why Corey brought in brady because brady had had a community and people trusted brady and then he came in as the guy who fronted the show and all of yeah. a sudden go well if brady's willing to go front the show he's made his value judgment and now I maybe make my value, and then I watch the show, and okay, I now make my value judgment of Swan, and then they have all of a sudden they've got a huge business. Do you know I initially thought Brady was Swan because he's Swenton? Oh right, but right. I thought he was Swanson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few. There's there's because there's Guy so, Swan. Guy Swan, Swan was there too. All the Swans <laughs> were there. Sydney Swans. Everybody was there. easy mistake. <laughs> Sydney Swans. <laughs> all right. What, um, what else have we got? Anything you want to uh, say before we head off? I think that's the main stuff. I think if people haven't heard about hard block uh, or they have, and they've been reluctant because they hadn't heard enough about it, or they were put off by the website, um, I'd say, give us another look. And even if not, just sort of pay attention to, to what we're doing and see if it changes your mind over time. We have a relatively simple approach, um, but I think we stay really true to our values. And, um, I think give the Hardblock Twitter account a follow as well if you're interested in anything Bitcoin news related or privacy focused because I do try to put out you know relevant and useful content and anything that's I feel like is maybe too complicated I do try to you know sum it up in some ways um, and look I'm I'm always happy to talk about Bitcoin um, whether it's to do with Hardblock or whether it's to do with me personally uh, even things like related to Bitcoin and psychology or Bitcoin and anything else that we talked about today so hit me up I'm more than happy for a conversation. Where's so the so uh, the website is hardblock.com.au? That's correct, hardblock.com.au. The um, Twitter, handle Twitter handle is hardblockbtc, all one word, hardblockbtc. And your own, and my, you're happy to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mine is mission bitcoin. So mission underscore bitcoin. Mission's just M I S S I O N. I figure that's kind of my my ethos is the mission is Bitcoin, expand yeah. and secure the network, mine Bitcoin, talk about Bitcoin, get people involved in Bitcoin. It does what it says on the tin. Exactly. I do, I do a lot of shit posting on, uh, on, on Twitter. I think uh, it's a pretty good crowd, Bitcoiners, but I guess there's some pretty controversial stuff going on in the world. And uh, I guess I've chosen a side with a lot of those controversial things. So... I'm quite, not really... oh, okay, so I just uh, can I just have a quick question there? Mm. I, know we're trying, I know I know I always do this, but oh, he does. How does Daniel? That, all right, we're does, wrapping how up. Does Daniel, and then... How does Daniel feel about that? Is Daniel good with you having your own, you know, you know, your own freedom to freedom to be you? Absolutely, because because yeah. it, it'll uh, reflect on his business. You know, you have to. We, we, you, there has true. to be both sides. So, um, D Daniel is, from my understanding and from everything that we've talked about, completely fine with that, and I don't want to speak. To Daniel's values or, or for him, but I do feel like he's strongly aligned in the same direction as as pretty much the three of us and and yeah. the majority of Bitcoin Twitter. Um, and I mean, you check his Bitcoin Twitter as well. Um, I think that uh, you, you'll find that he's very very similarly minded. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. We we need to allow people to speak their minds, and it doesn't just because you say something doesn't mean that that's the opinion of the business. You know, like you're you, True. Can, you can be different people. Uh, do, or do you know what I say that that you disagree with? It's time to wrap it's up. Tight. <laughs> Justin, that's been awesome, mate. Appreciate Thank you. you appreciate very you much. taking the time. I'm, I'm going to try and convince him to make this too, but it's only going to be one. There's no way. There's no <laughs> way I'm doing this. This is one episode. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, mate. Ready? Wait for People it. will listen to it on one and a half speed anyway, and then it's really back to an hour. So exactly. We're there you go. There you go. I know. Hey guys, if you've made it this far, thanks so much for listening. Um, the plan with the pod is to do sort of guests one week and um, myself and Brendo the other week, so hopefully that's working for you. If you don't like one of them, just listen to the one you do like. Um, if you want a little bit more um, information from us, you can find it at uh, bitcoin-first.com forward slash learn. 